Hey guys, it's Dawn. If you would like to hear the How My Parents Raised Me podcast ad-free, and if you would like access to subscriber-only episodes, join me in the What's the Truth community. You can join via the Apple Podcast app. There's a link right there in the app. Or go to whatsthetruth.supercast.com. Links are in the show notes. Don't miss out on all the extra content I'm sharing. I can't wait to see you over there. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I would be lying if I said I wake up every morning ready to be a mom, a wife, a friend. Sometimes my anxiety gets the worst of me and I want to do absolutely nothing. On Mothering Anxiety, a podcast by Maria Lopez, I talk about the real, the raw, and the very honest of what it's like to deal with everyday anxiety. I don't hold anything back. I use my own life experiences to be able to have others relate to me and to relate to their own experiences. My main goal is to make sure that everyone feels that they're not alone because I've been there. I've had those thoughts. I've had those worries. I've had those anxieties. If this sounds anything like you, take a listen to Mothering Anxiety, available on iTunes, Spotify, and any other major places you get your podcast from. Looking back at it, I think a sort of rebellion. I wanted to, I felt like I wasn't getting enough love and attention with the top grades I was getting at school. So I kind of wanted to maybe get attention with my weight loss. Or maybe I just wanted to kind of rebel against my parents and I, and I kind of hit them where it hurt the most, which, which was, you know, my, my body and my health and my well-being. And I just remember the wicked sense of satisfaction I had out of destroying my body effectively because it got to a point where I was 35 kilos and about to be hospitalized. Uh, and it was, um, yeah, it was really quite bad at the time. Welcome to How My Parents Raised Me. I'm Dawn Chitty. When we are born, we arrive here as pure and perfect souls. And the direction our life takes from that moment is deeply connected to what our parents bring to our lives. And what our parents bring to our lives is deeply connected to what their parents brought to their lives and that's the cycle of families 
I have always craved connection with real and raw stories to understand what makes you, you. What makes you the absolutely unique human that you are? Stories are medicine for the soul. They can connect us and they can change the world. And so in this podcast, I'm listening to beautiful souls sharing their story. What happened to them, how they got through and how they have healed and thrived despite everything to arrive right here in this moment. Content warning, if you are triggered by the themes of this podcast, please seek a helpline in your city. Hey, beautiful souls. For a long time in my 20s, I was extremely controlled with what I would eat. I seemed to have a lot of health issues, which I now understand was trauma at work. And my way of keeping my head above water was to control everything that went into my mouth. And at the time, I thought I was looking okay. But when I look back at the photos from that time, I am so thin, so thin. And that's the mind sabotaging the body right there. This wasn't a full-blown eating disorder, but it was a massive grab for control. And when you find yourself in the middle of a full-blown eating disorder, it is deeply soul-destroying. It's like a fairground ride that makes you feel sick day in and day out and you want to get off, but you have no idea how to do that. You just can't see a way out. I'm chatting with Paulina on the podcast this week and Paulina went through years of having anorexia and eventually bulimia. At her lowest point, she was just 35 kilos and about to be hospitalized. There was deep anxiety passed down from her grandmother and her mother and Paulina found herself at 14 really struggling to cope. Paulina's journey with eating disorders was a soul-destroying time and super tough on everyone around her. Moving on from an eating disorder is not for the faint-hearted and Paulina has been on a long and difficult healing journey. Please join me in hearing Paulina's story. You grew up in Poland. Tell us a little bit about what life was like growing up there. Yeah, of course. Happy to talk to you about my childhood in Poland. So um, I was born in 1984. So I was five when the communist regime ended. So uh, I have like vague memories of what it was like when I was a few years old and uh, you couldn't really get things in shops and I think I remember me and my dad queuing to get to get toilet paper or something like that. And, you know, and we had to bring some recycling in order to get it. It was, it was ridiculous. It was just so hard to get anything. And my sister was born in 89. So the year that communist regime collapsed and yeah, and I have both, both happy memories and not so happy memories. I was always a nervous child. I had kind of phobias of uh, claustrophobia so of being kind of left alone in the lift I had like dreams where I was screaming about being left alone in the lift we used the lift to get to the ninth floor in the building where we are living at the time and yeah I remember there was an incident that when my mom just left me asleep having a nap and popped out to get some groceries and I woke up and I was absolutely terrified when I discovered I was alone at the house. So, yeah, it was 
It was interesting to grow up in Poland. Um, it's kind of difficult to sum it up in one sentence or phrase, but yeah, I have some kind of memories of being like really jealous of my sister when she kind of arrived and I wasn't so important anymore. And I had some memories of like the games that we played and how we were kind of both happy together. So good what, and bad. What yeah, good and bad, a mix, absolutely. Yeah. And so what was your relationship like with your uh, mum when you were growing up as a small child? What do you remember of of her as your mum? She was definitely very loving, but she was a little bit overprotective. So uh, she is always fretting about when we grew up a little bit, my sister and I, what time we should be home. And she was just um, quite nervous, actually. I remember her having anxiety attacks. And I guess I, I, it's paradoxical because on one hand, she was kind of giving us so much attention and which was kind of almost too much at times. But on the other hand, I remember being, just striving to be the best at everything I could be. So at school, in various activities I was doing uh, as hobbies, always to be the best to kind of win the love and appreciation of my parents and my teachers, because I kind of learned that that's, that's how I can get more attention just by being kind of thriving at things I do. Um, and that kind of later on led to my eating disorders when I was 14, but we'll get to it, I guess. So yeah, so she was a bit overprotective, but also, kind of very attentive loving so she obviously had a lot of anxiety herself maybe from her own childhood could you see a pattern there was that something that came from her parents as well yes so her mother my grandma uh, actually was 19 when the second world war broke out and uh oh she was yeah uh she had massive anxiety struggles up till the end of her life because um, when she was young and when the war broke out she had to go into hiding um, because she came from Polish, Polish intelligentsia they were trying to um, take her to Siberia to one of the work work camps and concentration camps and um, she was yeah, she had to hide in different weird places at her friends. She she told me there was once a time when she hid in a bread oven because um, I think the people, Russians who were trying to, or Bolsheviks who were trying to find her were kind of going around to her friends' places and asking about her. Um, so yeah, she had massive anxiety issues. Definitely my grandma, which got passed over and which maybe to a degree I have inherited as well, I think. To her kind of late, like she was in her 80s and 90s when, when she, you know, would wake up screaming in the middle of the night and had to remind herself that the war was over. Well, yeah, that's post-traumatic stress really, isn't it, that she's dealing yeah. with there? Yeah, exactly. And what about your dad? What was he like for you as a child growing up? So my dad was much more kind of peaceful and grounded. It's just that I would uh, wish he had been more available. So he was kind of working and I think he found it a little bit difficult to cope with two, two young kids. So he wasn't at home as much as I wish he'd been. 
Yeah. So you didn't really get to develop so much of a relationship with him. Is that what you're saying? Uh, when, not so much when I was young, but when I was older. So these days we have a fantastic relationship actually with my dad. Yeah. So yeah, I wish he'd been home a bit more uh, when I was younger. And you mentioned your sister. She's younger than you? Yeah, she mm. is like four and a half years younger. Yep. So you're saying that when she was born, was that a difficult time for you? I can remember that I, that it was difficult because, you know, the standard older child thing, I was a bit jealous of the attention that was on her. And maybe I developed the way to um, take the attention away from her and on me. And I kind of challenged myself to be the, you know, first pupil of my class and, um just you know I I had this I don't think it was just it was coming from it was it was a desire that was led by just craving love and attention that's how I you know got to have the best grades etc it's not that I really wanted it it it's it's just that I wanted the love and attention that went with it there was sort of anxiety and then there was competition and there's quite a lot going on for you so what sort of age were you when you started having a difficult relationship with food? I was 14. Uh, prior to that, um, I was really quite thin and happy. And look, when it comes to food, at least, um, there was nothing wrong. But then at 14, I remember there was a summer where um, I, again, finished top of the class best at school uh were before the like as the ten, as the term ended as the spring term ended and in the summer i just thought i've always i'd always been not so good at fitness activities and sports and i got i was picked last for like teams when we were playing basketball or whatever and i thought to myself i'm going to really tackle this fitness thing so i started exercising but like really really uh, brutally so I would go on these like super long bike rides and go up hills and come down and go up again and come down and go up again just to I guess to the exercise and strengthen my my muscles etc and I started losing weight and I remember the kind of satisfaction I got out of it even though I didn't need to lose weight but I thought to myself um, I'm you know that's how I can kind of measure how well I'm doing with my fitness challenge the more my weight drops the more I can you know feel like I've accomplished something so the kind of weight loss became the way I measured my success in terms of my fitness and I yeah I started losing a lot of weight actually and uh, it was looking back at it I think a sort of rebellion I wanted to I felt like I wasn't getting enough love and attention with the top grades I was getting at school. So I kind of wanted to maybe get attention with my weight loss, or maybe I just wanted to kind of rebel against my parents and I, and I kind of hit them where it hurt the most, which, which was, you know, my, my body and my health and my well-being. And I just remember the wicked sense of satisfaction I had out of destroying my body effectively because it got to a point where I was 35 kilos and about to be hospitalized. 
uh, and it was um yeah it was really quite bad at the time yeah it sounds it sounds bad what what were you feeling like what do you feel at that time what are you feeling is it a depression I think so but there was this kind of focus on everything else became less important but my exercise and my my weight loss like that was kind of consuming me entirely and um yeah there was this kind of like wicked sense of satisfaction out of destroying myself um yeah and then when I finally started eating again I would like my anorexia turned into bulimia so I would like eat this massive meal every second day and then I would fast the following day um and then I would eat and purge and then I would have all sorts of crazy diets like eating wheat grains for like three four weeks and and water nothing else so yeah so it was yeah it was crazy my relationship with food was so so bad at that point and it kind of lasted all the way until I was 21 and I left for London um, because I got a scholarship to study at University College London and I kind of took it as an opportunity to redefine myself completely but those six or seven years um, were yeah so difficult and so unpleasant um, fighting with eating disorders and um, yeah being depressed as well so I remember there were there were times when I it was hard to get out of bed sometimes I wouldn't at all Um, so I turned from this kind of high achiever kid into kind of withdrawn uh, person kind of really focused on her own issues and suffering and uh, yeah it was it was a difficult time in my life definitely yeah absolutely hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you that's right we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees Promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com even on a budget quality is non-negotiable That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. And how did your parents cope with it? Um, they, especially my my mother, was incredibly anxious, and she was she developed some heart arrhythmia and some issues to do with her heart um, while it was happening. And they, yeah, they kind of struggled a lot as well. They found me a psychiatrist who. Um, prescribed medication and a therapist so um, that definitely helped 
but they were really kind of fighting for 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 my health um yeah it was a time of struggle for the whole, whole family that goes without saying and is a lot of that stuff done in secret or was it quite open to the family you mean my my food issues yes so I was definitely hiding with it. So I was like lying about what I'd eaten on a given day and I was hiding food. Um, and then I was obviously hiding with my binging and purging as well. I remember a time which was quite traumatic when my dad walked in on me when I was purging in the, in the, in the bathroom. And uh, yeah, I just felt so disgusted with myself. Yeah, bulimia is really a, such a shame shameful and um yeah quite disgusting illness to have it yeah it just you have you've developed so much shame and so much contempt of yourself it's um yeah it was it was difficult for all of us definitely yeah and what about friendships were you quite lonely at that time or were you able to maintain friendships when you're in high school when I was in high school it was quite difficult I remember that in primary school I had good friends but when I was in high school um, I was mostly focused on getting through my through my food issues and uh, I didn't really have very good friends though I remember there were some people that I used to talk to but I didn't really have strong friendships I wouldn't I was usually the odd one out um yeah I remember groups of friends surrounding me and me trying to kind of join them but not really being that welcome and um yeah yeah and um is it a feeling of trying to take control of your life when you're when you're doing all the binging and the purging is it is that what it is it's a kind of grab for control yeah definitely I was trying to get control of my life by and control of the world around me by controlling my body that was definitely the case yeah mm. and did you have anybody else in your life to speak to apart from your parents well there was a, a psychologist I was seeing at the time so you you get through those years of as a teenager and you move to London and you decide to make a change how do you actually do that I guess I had this kind of surge of hope and this opportunity that by changing location to redefine myself. So it just felt like the right time to create a new identity for myself. And how difficult is it to change, to change and stop yourself having an eating disorder? I just remember that I was quite maybe not overweight, but a little bit plump at the time. And I remember going on a relatively healthy diet for the first time in my life. I was eating a lot of salads as opposed to like starving myself. And uh, yeah, it's, I think it's possible. There's definitely kind of evidence that proves that with eating disorder, if you change kind of your location and with that come a lot of habits and a certain lifestyle, it's easier to, um, 
to overcome it because you, you can get a fresh new start. And so you moved to London and you changed what you were doing. And what other things did you do then in terms of, was there things that you had to work through over time with your mental health? Yeah, definitely. So my depression still remained. Um, like I was kind of on and off medication since I, since I was 14, really. And when I was 20, 21, I arrived in London and I was still on meds. And there was definitely a time I remember when I was going to, to university here in London where I felt a surge of hope and where I felt, okay, I can do this. I can get to be who I want to be again, as opposed to this kind of kid who's trying to win love with the best grades at school. I can just figure out what it is that I really want to do for myself. It's definitely possible to redefine yourself you've got to have an inner strength I think to make that change for yourself or or were there other things happening around you or influences that were helping to shape the way you were thinking about things I think it just helped that I was out of the the family system I think where I developed eating disorder so it helped that I was kind of outside of it and I was in a completely new environment and I was actually I came to London with my boyfriend at the time so it kind of felt like something new to live with him and to together try to make it in London he was looking for a job I was at university and it felt like felt like I had that strength and that resilience within me to start a new and I I'm definitely would describe myself as a resilient person. I definitely pick myself up, dust myself off and move on. <laughs> I think it's interesting how people can make those sort of big changes in their life. It really is about mindset, isn't it? And did you find a degree of self-love and acceptance that you hadn't had before? Yes, I think so. I mean, I slowly developed it. It was it's only in recent years in my 30s that I really felt like I achieved a certain degree of like self-love and self-knowledge. At that point, I think there was mostly the enthusiasm of, of living in a new place with um, somebody at my side. And it just felt like I could become whatever I wanted to. And London was great for that. It's a place of opportunity the way I see it. And uh, so... Um, yeah, I think I had quite a lot of resilience, and but but the self love I mostly worked on in my thirties, I think. So, what did you do in your thirties? You say you worked on self love. What what were you doing? So again, I went to therapy, but I also had a really good group of friends. We had this WhatsApp group, which we I think titled self care challenge because it started with a seven day self care challenge, and then it turned into this kind of like some beautiful support network where we were just um, messaging each other on a daily basis just just a beautiful group, group of girlfriends um, and that really helped me to inspire me to look at myself as like wow I can really choose to accept myself with the mental health issues that I have and with everything that it brings I can really choose to embrace that and love myself despite um everything I'm going through so yeah that really it really helped to have that support network around me that's really interesting actually because I think we can get all the help in the world but actually having other people just to connect and to walk alongside us in our healing I think that that takes it to a whole nother level I think that that's the key really for people is just having Absolutely. connection 
Yeah. Were these people friends of yours beforehand or were they just a group that you came together with? Uh, they were friends of me beforehand, yes. Yeah. yeah, but we got particularly close on the at the time when we decided to start our first WhatsApp group. And so how was your anxiety at that sort of stage of your life? Is that something that you were able to get under control? Yeah, so again, I was mostly on medication um, in my 30s again. In my 20s, my mid-20s, I started my business with my then boyfriend, now husband. And definitely the stresses of having an early stage business definitely impacted me. Um, um, It was, I just really pushed myself beyond my limits and overworked and that had a really negative impact on my mental health so I didn't remember weekends where I completely crashed down and uh, yeah again I really pushed myself to the limits and beyond um, in my 30s I became much more conscious of what my body can actually do and what is healthy for me and Again, I would have some bouts of anxiety, but I learned to manage it quite a bit better. How did you actually manage the anxiety? What sort of things do you do for that? So these days I have a very kind of strong morning routine where I do um, half an hour of shaking uh, to music, half an hour of yoga, half an hour of meditation and half an hour of journaling. So different mindfulness practices definitely help throughout the day. Again, support network, amazing. And um, different practices I do. So uh, apart from kind of more or less conventional therapy, uh, these days I do DBT, which is dialectic behavioral therapy. I have, I do kind of Reiki healing. I, I have a personal trainer that I exercise is very important to me. I have a massage session every every week so I do something to treat myself to to kind of feel better in my own body and and again having that support network is so important so what was the one you mentioned there dbt dbt dialectic behavioral therapy yeah and what is that it teaches you so as opposed to looking at your past it, it teaches you skills that you can use in the moment when you're feeling anxious or overwhelmed or angry how to deal with how to kind of teaches you skills how to deal with your feelings and how to kind of regulate yourself more consciously what is your relationship like now with your family yeah I'm really we actually call each other every evening for a quick chat and a quick prayer we used to pray together and that's part of my spiritual practice these days so it's important to me And it's, I got to appreciate them on a whole new level. And I think it's been, it was very healthy to get detached at some point and to kind of start my own life as an adult. Yeah, I think I, it's, it's, it's been a really good decision to go away from Poland and live somewhere else. And I also gain a whole new appreciation of of my family just being far away from them. It just, uh, it's become easier to respect and love them as opposed to being pretty physically close to them. Yeah, I understand that. And so how do you think that your childhood and growing up has impacted your life journey? I think it definitely has impacted me. So there is kind of parts of it that I'm still dealing with and working quite a lot, a lot with my inner child. 
these days. So there's definitely parts that I have gotten to work with over the course of my adulthood, but there is definitely still parts that need to heal. So I think childhood is always a massive component of our life journey in terms of how it what it teaches us and um, if there are any traumatic or difficult events they tend to stay with us for life so that's been the case as well with me recently that I did um, EMDR therapy with eye movements and kind of it's I don't know if you are aware yeah. of EMDR but yeah and I looked at some kind of traumatic memories and that's really helped so the EMDR was a really good thing yeah it was a good thing to do yeah yeah uh, how many sessions. sessions would you do uh, I had maybe 20 or something like that wow. so you could see a difference from start to finish of doing the EMDR yeah yeah I could yeah mm-hmm. is it traumatic to do it it wasn't particularly traumatic for me but it might be for other people so it's difficult for me to generalize but for me it's been okay Mm. and are there any books that have really helped you in your healing um yes i'm just trying to remember i think it's by pete walker a book on ptsd which has been quite helpful and the body keeps the score by bessel van der kolk is a really good book there's a, one of my favorite books on meditation is Reasons to Stay Alive by Matt Haig. Really beautiful little book. Totally recommend it. So Paulina, you're an entrepreneur. You've created successful businesses. You're a TEDx and keynote speaker, and you're the author of a new book called Laid Bare, What the Business Leader Learned from the Stripper. Tell us about the book and everything else that you're doing. Yes, of course. So um when I was starting my business, I, it was a really stressful time, as I alluded to earlier. And uh, I, two or three years into my the existence of my business, I decided I wanted to do something for fun, something just for myself. And I came came across Burlesque, and I enrolled in a course, and I created my own act, and I started performing in different cabaret clubs across London. And the book, Laid Bear, What the Business Leader Learned from the Stripper, is kind of a uh, part memoir, part business book about how performing has, as a burlesque showgirl, influenced my business career and vice versa, and what lessons I learned in business while building my companies. Wow, that sounds amazing. I love that you did burlesque and, and performed through London. That's amazing to have done that. Thank you. Can you tell us whereabouts we can find you? Are you on Instagram or? Yeah, so on Instagram, Twitter and uh, Clubhouse, I'm uh, at Paulina Tenner, T-N-N-E-R. So it's quite easy to find me. And my website is paulinatenner.com. And you're very welcome to subscribe there for updates on, on my book, My Writing Journey. Well, thank you so much, Paulina, for sharing your story with us today. It's a lot of stuff to deal with getting through an eating disorder. And I really appreciate that you would share everything with us today. Thank you. It's been lovely to uh, be on the show. So thank you for having me. Check the show notes for a direct link to all books recommended in this episode. Come and follow me on Instagram at mybigloveproject.com. 
drop a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and please share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it. You are such an incredible soul because you are you. You are unique. Your journey is unique and you can absolutely change the world with your story. Your time is precious and I so appreciate you being here. Thank you for joining me. I'll catch you next week.